fans, we are back. I'm Elio. He's Ben. This is PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Ben, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Um, I got to tell you, I was drastically underwhelmed by uh, WWE's offerings this week. Um, but uh, but I, I was very encouraged by what AEW had uh, to offer. So it, it, Wednesday night kind of saved it again. But, uh, but I'll tell you, one thing that I don't like is it, it just seems to me that AEW is just really overshadowing NXT these days. Like, NXT just doesn't feel the same to me. It's, um, it's very uh, WWE main roster-like. Um, and it's especially with, uh, and we'll get deeper into this, this is just my opening thoughts, um, and certainly NXT is not my, not my uh, territory uh, on this show, but, um, but it's, um, this Pat McAfee, Adam Cole thing, it's like, I don't give a fuck. And as, as soon as Triple H came on the, um, yeah, you're, you're allergic to this stuff as much as I am. Um, so, um, you know, as soon as, uh, Pat McAfee came on, uh, with Triple H on his show, it's just like, I don't care. And I knew exactly what they were going to do. And it's just, uh, God. So, you know, that, that was my opening thoughts and, uh, you know, but uh, what did you think of the week overall? It was an interesting week. Um, yeah, I don't care for this whole Pat McAfee thing. Yeah, it's just like because to me, yes, he, he's a he's he's kind of a celebrity because of his NFL career. But in terms of professional wrestling, like what does he bring to the table? So it's like I don't care. So, it, so, so does that mean that Adam Cole's a face? Well, apparently he is now because um, because that that should make him cut whatever the whatever saying it's look like a heel. Exactly, um, you know. So it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, where that goes. But it's just if this comes down to a match between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee of all people. You know, he, Pat's going to get destroyed like a little bitch, so I don't see what purpose that serves. So, anyway, uh, what, let's say we get the evening started with our take on Monday Night Raw. was MVP versus Apollo Crews. And so Apollo Crews is now officially the United States champion. 
I, well, just, I, mean, I, I hope he doesn't start carrying around both belts, though. Which no, I don't think he will. No, he officially retired the um, the old U.S. championship because he cut a promo after the match saying that he was giving that title um, to his kids to hang in their room to prove to them that he was the U.S. champion. So I didn't mind that. That was a, that was a cool uh, little way of, um, you know, retiring the title and they'll move on um, with the new one. You know what? I I didn't like the <coughs> sorry I didn't like the delayed introduction of the uh, of the new belt because you know that belt has been around for almost a month now and it was just awarded to the new champion on Monday. Well, he's been out. No. Yeah, but yeah, but then again, like if he's been out, then why would you? Why would you have a new championship on television only for um, – was it only for MVP to master? <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> You're contagious, you, you bastard. Um, and I'm catching uh, Elio's cough all the way from Canada. But, um, <clears throat> but you know, if it was just for MVP to uh, – Masquerade as the U.S. champion, and that's very, very weak. So, I I would prefer if they had handled that a different way. But you know, I mean, everybody knew that MVP wasn't going to be the U.S. champion for God's sake. I mean, so to me, the the outcome of the match was was nothing short of a foregone conclusion. So, following uh, the match, MVP uh, issued a challenge to a rematch at SummerSlam. So, that's taking place there. Then we see. Sorry, go on. So, okay. I'm glad you said something about the rematch. I I guess this means that WWE has already done away with their no rematch clause. I guess it's no longer antiquated. You know, I, I I hate this. I don't have an issue with rematches, right? But I have what I have an issue with in regards to rematches is the simple fact they'll give you um, you know, two or three of the same of the same match on on regular TV and then they'll be like, Oh, we're having a rematch at the pay-per-view. So that by the time you get to the pay-per-view You've already seen the same match at least at least twice, so it it's not new. And then by the time you get to the pay per view, it's like who gives a fuck? You know what 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 makes this um, what makes this match more important? I mean, who's to say you're not going to have another rematch? So they really have to. Um, I mean, they really have to reanalyze how they're doing rematches because right now this current format really sucks. All right. Uh, if you hold on, uh, we're going to take a brief pause. All right. Then we see Bailey and Sasha celebrating backstage. And then uh, we get an interview after the commercial. Then we have another commercial afterwards. And we come back with Kevin Owens' show. Yes, and then on this show, we had um, Ruby Riot, um, and uh, she, she, was, um, she was reconciling with 
a surprise return for for Liv Morgan. Now, um, apparently the um, the logic that was used here was that neither one knew about the other coming on the show. But you know, I one of the, one of the things that confused me. Um, and I don't, I don't think uh, he did a really good job explaining this in his explanation as uh, Elio continues to make uh, mustaches with his, uh, with his um, headphone wire. Um, and so clearly my, my uh, analysis is riveting. But I, I, I fail to understand why Kevin Owens uh, found the found uh, Liv and Ruby's relationship so important to repair. Like, why is he emotionally invested in that? So, um, especially after this long of a period of time. So, I found that a little bit confusing, and I, I really feel like they could be using uh, Kevin Owens in a better, more um, prevalent capacity. So... And then we get my favorite team. However, I'm not too happy with these two this week. Justice. Because they come out, they get into Kevin Owens' face, and they both slap him. That is not very iconic. Yes, finally. We, we have a moment where Elio is not happy. With the Iconics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, listeners of all kinds, all around the world, this is the moment that will be marked in the history of this show. For once, and perhaps the only time in our history, Elio is unhappy with Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Oh, what a magical time it is. And then that leads to a tag team match with the Riot Squad defeating the Iconics. Well, I, don't have, I don't have a problem with that. They deserve it after slapping Kim Owens. Yes, especially since he's your fellow Canadian. Damn it. And uh, considering that I have a lot more respect for Kevin Owens than I do the goddamn Iconics, I had no problem with uh, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan kicking their respective asses. And Sean Spears is a fellow Canadian as well, so there. It balances out. Absolutely. And, um, and uh, yeah, actually, it's, it's quite interesting because he came out on Twitter. Uh, I don't know why this was considered news, but it, it made the rounds. Um, apparently, uh, Sean Spears caused a stir because – being an AEW guy, he's admitted to still watching NXT, and people ha- people um, found that newsworthy. Now, why that is, I'll never understand, but um, I guess I'm not supposed to understand the internet cretins of the of the internet. Hey, I, I have some I have some news. What's that? I now watch AEW. WWE and Impact Wrestling. What? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because um, as we mentioned on last week's show, that was the first uh, that was the first time we covered 
anything Impact Wrestling related since we mentioned uh, them being moved from uh, from uh, no yeah pursuit yeah well since they were moved to pursuit from their previous uh, network which was Destination America and that was I believe that was like a year and a half ago so um, you know the fact that um, the fact that Impact got some attention for um, Slammiversary and and um, and really made a splash with that. I was I was quite happy for them. So um, good for them. And um, I I admit I didn't watch Impact this week, but if it, I'm gonna still check out the episode a little bit later on uh, this week, and if it holds my attention. Uh, we might have to add impact to uh, the show's rotation in the future. Then, um, I believe Charlie Crusoe was in the back. She's uh, reporting that some boxes, uh, there was this noise and it appears some boxes were, th- were thrown or fell. And MVP comes in saying he should be the one being interviewed. Not The story should not be about boxes. Well, you know, MVP, as much as I appreciate your role as a manager, and I am legitimately intrigued by the Hurt business, um, I think when it comes to your... That sounds so weird. (laughs) Yeah. I think it it sounds like a... It sounds sounds out of place in professional wrestling, but nonetheless. Um... The fact that I am more interested in in um, an interview about boxes than I am about your in-ring career uh, should tell you something. So stick to being a mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin. Then we have Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre's face-to-face. I, you know what, I like this uh, program, as, especially with Edge being out. I think it's a good way to keep uh, Randy Orton at the forefront of everybody's attention. My problem uh, with this um, pairing right now is I don't think either either Drew McIntyre or Randy Orton can afford to lose. Now let me um, let me break that down a little bit as to why I say that. Um, because you know, I think I think we can all agree. Whatever your personal opinion on on Randy Orton is, um, you know, to me he's been the hottest commodity on Raw and arguably in the entire WWE um, uh, since he returned to. Um, you know, that real dark part of his character. Um, you know, so I really don't see him losing the championship, especially with the role that he's been on now, or losing a championship match, I should say. Um, and, um, and, you know, if, if you're going to give him the belt, I'm not going to complain about it, but um, I ha- I would hesitate to do that because it it discredits Drew because 
he would have had the belt for only four months uh, coming out of WrestleMania. And to me, that's a loss for him in terms of a reign because if, I, if I'm building up uh, Drew McIntyre's first run as WWE champion, uh, which in my book is drastically overdue, um, I'm not having him drop the ball for at least eight months to a year. So the fact that we're coming up on four months and I'm already saying, well, Randy Orton can't afford to lose to Drew McIntyre and vice versa, that's a problem. Uh, but it, but it's also uh, reflective of the fact that Drew McIntyre has nobody else to face for the belt because WWE has has done such a piss poor job of building up credible heels that are not named Randy Orton. So, you know, what do you think about that? Where do you see the title uh, ending up? I. I can see uh, Randy Orton as uh, having another run as champion. But do you think he? Do you think it will happen at SummerSlam? Um. Well, Drew McIntyre's not uh, had it uh, that long, so I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say not. Not really. Not right at SummerSlam. But. Uh... But do you see it happening before the year go before the year twenty twenty? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it before the year ends. Okay, cool. All right, from the from one of the better segments, we went to one of the worst segments. Oh my God, Nia Jax. Oh, uh, can she just go away? So apparently, she comes out to the ring. She brings my good friend Pat Buck out with her and. And he wants an apology, but she said, and she agrees to apologize after a match. Uh, but, okay, okay. And, 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 and God bless the fact that we didn't have to see Nia Jax versus Pat Buck. But, I mean, who in the blithering blue hell w- would want to see Nia Jax versus Pat Buck? I mean, I, I don't want to see Nia Jax in a women's division match. Why would I want to see her against a man? I mean, damn, she she pushed him to the to the, down to the mat. I mean, find Pat Buck, I need to get back up and and get in her face. The, the guy is a wrestler for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, they, they made him look like look like he should have been hiding under his mother's skirt. Pat, what are you doing? I thought and we were friends. I thought we were friends, man. It, Oh, do you, do you know him? Yeah, well, I, I he used to do uh, wrestling trivia on uh, that app that I was telling you about a while back. Oh, so you got to know him through that? Yeah, he uh, we he did the WrestlePro trivia. That's how I learned about WrestlePro and uh, and uh, all about him. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but he he did not have a uh, he did not have a good showing on Monday Night Raw. This was a, and and Night Jax looks like a twelve year old with her hair in braids. <laughs> what the hell? Well, I mean that's that's one big ass twelve year old. I mean Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Come but on, yeah, man. yeah, it's just it's not a good look for Night Night Jax or Pat Buck in that segment. There, I mean. The fact that nobody could, you know, look at that segment ahead of time and say, 
maybe that's not a good luck for either one of them. And they still ran with it. I don't. I mean, what's the point of of Nia Jax versus a a backstage agent? So now apparently, um, someone uh, stole Shawn Benjamin's twenty four seven championship. That results in a match, and we have a new champion in Akira Tozawa again. Yeah, yeah and, and Akira Tozawa is now a three time. Uh, 24-7, uh, champion, uh, <laughs> golf clap, yay, actually you should insert a golf clap, uh, followed by crickets in, in the, in the post, uh, show editing process, but, um, but I just, you know, can someone explain to me the point of the 24-7 championship? I I just I've yet to figure it out, and 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 our um, truth. Now I don't know if this is true or this was just a little bit overblown, but regardless, it is just a tad bit overblown. Um, he was announced as a thirty-eight time twenty-four-seven championship championship holder, and I don't give a singular iota of a fuck. I would rather watch paint dry than be subjected to another R Truth 24-7-7-11-365 championship run. I mean, what in the hell? And you know, and nothing against R Truth. That was good. That was good. You did that. The way you did that. What do you do that? You know, nothing against our truth because I do find him entertaining, but this 24-7 title has got to go. Then we had an interview with Dominic Mysterio, and of course he challenged Seth Rollins to a match at SummerSlam. Oh, God. Well, um, I think Rey Mysterio is going to be planning an in-storyline funeral for his son. <sighs> You know the uh, you know it's interesting because we're really seeing it come full circle. You know, 15 years ago at SummerSlam 2005 was one of my favorite matches of all time, and that was the ladder match between Ray and Eddie Guerrero for the custody. I'm going to ask you a question off air. Yeah, and um, you know, like I said, 15 year anniversary of the. Uh, custody match between Eddie and uh, Ray and uh, and now 15 years later uh, here comes Dom against Seth Rollins. Now the only way I would be interested in seeing that match because right now I just don't give a damn is if at the end of it Dominic joins up with, uh, with Seth's greater good. Uh, because if, if that's not the case, I don't see a, a point in doing it. Now, it, hold on, hold on a minute. How would you do that though? How would you, uh, uh how would you do that to have him join at the end of the match? Well, and I, I don't know if I would have him join at the end of the match, but I'm just saying if that's not the end goal. Of of uh, of Dom joining the Greater Good, then I don't want to see this storyline. 
No, I'm saying say, say that or the angle. How would you do that? Well, um, you know, I would as at first I would have uh, you know I would have Seth really beating the piss out of out of Dominic, and but at the same time he's talking to him the whole time like I can make this stop, and then and then Ray comes out um, like the next week and and tries to get. Um, tries to get into Dom's head to see what he's thinking. Um, and then, you know, and then somehow that leads to a match between Seth and Ray and then have have Dom turn on Ray and help Seth. Ray with his one eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's stupid. <laughs> that's yeah, well, and and that's what really discredits this whole uh, storyline because that was that was just damaging to the whole thing. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting is that the news broke today that apparently, um, apparently Ray has signed a new contract with WWE. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think AEW uh, was also talking to him. Apparently. Oh uh, yeah, but you know, it, it, to me. It was kind of obvious that Ray wasn't going to go to AEW. I mean, I think if I think if Dom had been in the cards uh, with WWE, then obviously um, Ray would have gone with AEW. But as long as Ray is, or as long as Dom is associated with WWE, then you know Ray isn't going anywhere. You might you might as well stick his feet in cement. All right, then we had Sasha Banks versus Shayna Baszler. This went to a no contest because Asuka came out and interfered. Okay, um, and um, you know, God bless Asuka. I'm never going to criticize Asuka, but why would I mean why would the match be thrown out because Asuka? Attack Sasha. Yes, wouldn't it be a disqualification or something? No, because I because the the match was Oscar versus Shayna Baszler. No, Sasha Banks versus Shayna Baszler. Or, no, it, I'm sorry. It, yeah, it was it was it was Sasha versus Shayna, and then Oscar uh, comes out and attacks Bailey. Yeah. So why would I mean why would um. Why would the match get thrown out? This is true. If she attacks Sasha, then that would be different. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Why, would, why would outside interference in that capacity when, when neither of the legal combatants were involved in the altercation lead to the disqualification? So this is just, this is just another of a of a long litany of um, circumstances where WWE, one, pisses on its own rule book, uh, and two, you know, really spits in the face of uh, the common sense of the fans. Okay, now, we get an Oscar interview, then we have our two matches, Angela Dawkins versus Angel Garza, Montez Ford versus Andrade. 
but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to get your thoughts on this raw underground. Okay, but I, I want to I wanna talk plenty about Raw Underground. I think we're going to go about 20, 25 minutes just on Raw Underground, so oh, be prepared. That's why I just, I just, uh, I just uh, skipped over the two, my no, final two matches. But, but see, there's one thing in, in regards to Montez Ford that we have to discuss, and then we're, then we're going to go. Oh, yeah, on, I on think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yes. So, if you'll recall, um, I believe that this was either 95 or 96. Uh, Shawn Michaels was in the midst of a feud with... Oh my god, is this this what they're doing with Montez Ford? Well, it it certainly is how it reminded me of it. So for our younger... Because I remember that when Shawn Michaels collapses in the ring. Right. And for our younger listeners who are unfamiliar with this this part of wrestling history, um, Shawn Michaels was involved in a feud with um, Big Van Vader at the time. And... um, and during the uh, during the big payoff match, um, Michaels passes out in the ring, and they make it look like a heart attack. And even back then, uh, this was quite controversial because it looked uh, very convincing that uh, that. Michaels had a heart attack and might be on death's door here. Um, now, fast forward to this past Monday night on Raw, uh, that same situation happens again with Montez Ford. Now, so at first, he collapses at ringside during Angelo Dawkins' match. Uh, Dawkins goes to check on him, and he seems somewhat revived. And even though Dawkins loses his match because of Montez Ford's medical situation, um, he's still able to come back and do his match against, uh, I, w- I believe Montez Ford's match was against... Um, Andrade. Yes, Andrade. And uh, I was actually going to say that, so I was right. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> but um, but then, he, you know, he, he goes and does his, um, you know, ultimate warrior, like, pump-up, where he's going uh, bananas on the ropes. I saw that, yeah. And then, you know, he, he collapses again and all this other stuff. Now, one, I have a massive issue with that because um, because if you'll recall back in uh, 2012, uh, Jerry Lawler had a legitimate heart attack and damn near died. Yeah, but that was here. Yeah, on the... Um, on the commentary desk. Yeah, actually, um, that was in Montreal. Sorry. Yeah, 
And, you know, I just now, granted, I understand that it was eight years ago. Um, but, you know, I think, when, I think when you've had a legitimate situation and then even all this time later, you're doing another, you know, quote unquote, heart attack angle. Um, I just think that it's in poor taste. And nowadays, um, you just don't have to do that. So, um, I, so I was not a fan of that. And also when you, when you do these kind of things, um, you're one, you're supposed to, um, build intrigue for the upcoming, uh, tag team title match at SummerSlam. And they didn't accomplish that at all. Um, they just managed to piss me off. Uh, with the heart attack angle. Number two, uh, we've already seen these teams um, face off in so many different combinations of tag team and singles matches the last few months overall that I'm not really interested in seeing them uh, in another title match. So that makes me not care about it at all. Um, which makes which makes this whole storyline an all-out wash. Uh, because I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say I just don't care about this storyline at all. Now, so now that we've now that we've gone on that mini rant, <clears throat> um, allow allow me to uh, fast forward to the main course of uh, Monday Night Raw, which was which was the <laughs> The top of the third hour going into oh. the the end of the show. Now, oh, oh. <laughs> yes. For for a couple of days prior to this, we we had been hearing that Monday Night Raw was going to have a big show uh, on the the uh, you know the Raw episode because. Shane McMahon was coming back and he was going to be involved in a big storyline on Monday Night Raw. So, um, from the very beginning of the show, we start seeing teases that something is going to go down. And the thought um, was that he was going to be the head of some new faction. Well, it didn't turn out like that. It actually turned out a lot worse. Um, so, like I said, uh, from the beginning of the show, you know, we started getting teases that, you know, this episode is going to be a little bit different. You know, the, the lights go out. The mics are having problems. We got, we got boxes being pushed over in the back. I'm not sure how that's supposed to be ominous, but nonetheless, it is. Um... <coughs> And then, and then we see this big shadowy motherfucker, who's about seven feet tall. Um, he's guarding a door. What could be behind the door, Johnny? Let's let's play the Price Is Right WWE style. Leo, what's behind the door? What could possibly be behind the magical door? I am not quite sure. Well, what could it be? 
Allow me to shatter the mystery and please tell us. Please and, sh us. and shatter your hopes for anything entertaining on Monday Night Raw or damn near anything entertaining on WWE television as a whole. Oh boy. Because at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, the third hour on Monday Night Raw, which really needed some help because it has historically sucked in 2020 and well beyond, I would say going back to 2017, the third hour has been notorious for suck-ass WWE television. What do they do? What did Shane McMahon introduce, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Tell us. Drum roll, please. It's Raw Underground. What the fuck is Raw <laughs> Underground, you ask? Well, 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 let me introduce you to, to the concept of Raw Underground. And, and... Elio, when I'm done describing this, please tell me if it sounds familiar. Okay. Really rack your brain and tell me if this sounds similar to something you've seen in the past. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to step inside of a dark warehouse and have underground real-life fights. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Oh. On a professional wrestling program featuring Dolph Ziggler in a shoot fight. And we're also going to debut a, a seven foot tall monstrosity who, before this, now, I, now you'll forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, I forget the name that they used on Dabacato. Yes. I, I know who I know who he is. Yeah, well, I do too. It's do a, really? Yeah, it's Babatunde. Day. Oh, you've seen them? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't seen them before this. It's Babatunde Day from NXT. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to work. Not. At oh, all. Hold, on, hold on. Let me let me ask you a question. Yeah, you've seen a kickboxer. Any, every, everyone's seen kickboxer. I just watched that last night. Does he not remind you of Tong Po in kickboxer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm not even kidding. I watched two movies last night. Kickboxer was the second movie I watched. Wait, wait, wait! I'm gonna guess the first one was Lionheart. No, no, That's it was uh, it was two guns with Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg, which was much oh, okay. better than. I was way off. Which was much better than Kickboxer. However, <clears throat> Kickboxer was a classic. Come on, man. Well, well, yes, but just in terms of the style that I like, I I, I vastly preferred Two Guns over Kickboxer. Now, All right. Um. Ladies and gentlemen, um, contrary to what this might seem, me watching Kickboxer had nothing to do with this podcast. It was just a happy coincidence. But having said that, we're going to we're going to use that movie and compare it to Shane McMahon's creation 
of Monday night of Raw Underground on Monday night. Now, this is not going to work in any way, shape, or form on Monday Night Raw, and I will tell you why. Tell us why, yes. As I, as I always do. I don't know why I say that, because I always tell you why. Um, <clears throat> having a, a quote-unquote real fight when that's not what professional wrestling is, and everybody knows it's not real, as much as we respect the art that it is, everybody knows what professional wrestling is, and it has nothing to do with shoot fights. Now, now, so WWE is going to have to explain to me how I'm supposed to take their product seriously when we go back and forth between professional wrestling that we all know and shoot fights, and then go back to professional wrestling and take it seriously. Now, for me, and for a lot of other people on the uh, people on the uh, wrestling portion of the internet, um, we immediately saw um, Brawl for All when we were looking at Raw Underground. Ugh, brawl for all. Did, did, did you watch that one from the beginning? Yes. Unfortunately, I did as well. That was terrible. Well, I think, I, I think Raw Underground is at the very least going to uh, match Brawl for All, if not eclipse it. Um, I just don't see it working uh, on Raw in 2020 um, because... You you know what I was waiting for? I was waiting for them to say, next week's special guest host will be Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. Will we see the return of Tyler Durden? Uh, well, yeah, I was uh, I was waiting for that myself. Uh, this is terrible. And now, oh, hold on. Now, now I was reading earlier this week. Aliyah is inter- is interested in this one. Um. Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke wants a piece of it too. Renee Renee Young would be up for going against Bailey. Oh shit! Now, now, now that's a fight that I would want to see because I, I'm so I'm sorry, uh, John Moxley. Don't kill me now, but your your wife is extremely attractive. So in any capacity in which I could see Renee Young, I would I would like to. Hold on, hold on. I thought of one more. Charlie Caruso and Selena Vega. Well, that's two more, so now you can't count. <laughs> Jeez, what's going on? Um, I think you're getting distracted by your fellow Canadian Renee Young, which I don't blame you for at all, because sorry, John. Like I said, nothing personal. Please don't kill me. The point being that this conversation that um, Elio and I just had regarding uh, our mutual admiration for Renee Young was more entertaining than Raw Underground was on Monday or will be in the future. Uh, this entire concept is not going to work because you cannot incorporate 
real fights and professional wrestling and still uphold the concept of suspension of disbelief. I just don't get it. I just don't It's not doable. So, and uh, my co-host, Elio, was having a breakdown as I finish up uh, this segment of the Raw Reveal. (laughs) But uh, with that being said, we will move on to our... uh, our next uh, show, um, our next review, and that is AEW Dynamite. So we will be right back after this, after this short break. Cause I'm TNT, I'm Dynamite. You know, we are back and we are now going to get into AEW Dynamite Bet. Yeah, uh, let me just pull up the the results here. Once again, your face is blocking my view, you bitch. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so this show overall was very, very good. Um, but I'm going to... Um, I'm going to point out uh, three segments that I really didn't like. Okay. Uh, The first one being the first match of the evening, which was a uh, 12-man tag match between the Elite and FTR versus what seemingly was the – Almost the entirety of the Dark Order. And like I said, a 12-man tag match. Now, from past experience on this podcast, Elio, um, you may remember my overall dislike uh, for multi-man tag team matches. Mm -hmm. And there were plenty of... Pardon me, I'm already allergic to it because I have to review this shit. Um, there are, were plenty of examples in this match pertaining to the reasoning why I hate uh, multi-man tag team matches. Uh, one being that AEW in particular, uh, oh shit, AEW in particular as I inadvertently cued the background music, um, has a problem with following basic tag team rules. Um, you know, it doesn't seem that the ref has to see the tag or acknowledge it in order for the tag to count. Uh, people are just in the ring for however long they want to be. Uh, after tags, now I heard um, I heard Jr. say numerous times that there's a ten count in between tags in AEW. Well, I counted beyond ten on numerous occasions. Uh, 
Uh, number two, I thought the match was sloppy as hell. Um, number three, there was a situation with Hangman Page and Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, excuse me, um, where um, it would have been very easy for Brody Lee to uh, trip up uh, Hangman on the apron, thus uh, preventing an attack and damage being done to his fellow Dark Order members. And yet, Brody just stood there looking like an asshole. Um, and and to me, uh, when I see stuff like that, it makes me roll my eyes so hard that they fall out and roll across my desk like marbles. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I just I just did not like this match at all. I didn't see the point. I didn't see what storylines it built. Um, I didn't see how it helped the tag team division. Um, and this was just terrible. Now, after this match, and once again, this was this was just another example of terrible booking by um, by AEW management. After this twelve person clusterfuck. Uh, we had another tag team match. This one pitting the best friends versus Santana and Ortiz. Now, uh, I should clarify that I had no issue with the actual match itself. Um, none whatsoever. Um, but when you have when you have horizontal booking like this and it's just the same thing um, again from what we just saw um, you know I'm gonna have I'm gonna have an issue um, because to me this is a lack of creativity the only now, issue I had with this match is freaking Ortiz looking like a goof acting like a goof in the middle of a match well, and, and but but that's what Ortiz does. Like he's the him and Santana, which and this I disagree with in terms of their AEW booking because if you remember in uh, Impact Wrestling as uh, the reincarnation of LAX, man, they were no nonsense. Beat your ass street brawlers alongside with Eddie Kingston. I mean, they were serious. When they hit the ring, you and those sirens went off. You, they, should, they should put Eddie Kingston with them. Oh, problem powerful getting a third member. Oh. Well, well, but the issue there would be, you know, Eddie wouldn't fit in well with, um, with uh, the inner circle because Eddie is a solo act, especially if he doesn't have. Well, no, uh, I, I wouldn't put him with the inner circle, but like when Santana and Ortiz are having their own tag team matches. That could work. Um, but I just, um, but this new, you know, comedy duo where where they're commenting on, you know, the orange juice scenes on Chris Jericho's jacket. 
and not taking things seriously when they're in the... I'm not, I'm not talking about in actuality. I'm just talking like in character stuff. And when they're messing around, when they're having these matches, um, I that's not how I view um, Santana and Ortiz. So I have, a, I have an issue there. And as I said, I had an issue with the decision to place these matches back to back. Didn't they destroy the freaking entrenched mom's car? <laughs> Which I don't give a shit. And and the fact that the best friends cut a promo saying that they were gonna make them apologize to Trent's mom. It's like it's almost like they spilled chocolate milk on her dress. You know, it's it's just like okay, number number one. This is not an elementary school squabble disagreement, bitch fit, slap fest. <laughs> this is professional wrestling rivalry between two grown men, which I, which I don't need to see someone's mama get involved. I don't need to see Sue. I didn't, I didn't need to see Mama Benjamin. You know, I'm, I'm just that was terrible. I'm just done with. Wrestlers' parents getting involved. Um, you know, I mean, what, what, I mean, think about it, man. What the hell is Sue going to do to LAX? Are you going to see a Trent Smile on the pole match? Oh, Jesus. You, do you remember those, those on the pole <laughs> matches? They, 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 they actually had, terrible. Remember when they actually had Trudy Bagwell on the, on the window of those lips? Oh, oh, fuck me, selfless. <laughs> uh, I didn't need, yes, I do remember that, but I didn't need to be reminded of that. So just for that, I have to say, fuck you, Elliot. <laughs> We're going to start a chant of that uh, by the end of this show. But, That's a thorn in a swear jar. <laughs> Trust me, if we put a dollar in a swag jar for every time I curse on this podcast, I'd be out of money. Um, but then, then again, we are grown men, and we are not. We are not on the recess yard in elementary school, so I don't really care. Um, but af- so after that, we had. Uh, let me pull the results up again, so I know where we are with this. Um, after that, we had another tag team match featuring members of the Dark Order. My God, this is getting old. This is this is kind of. I'm actually starting to kind of like the Dark Order. Okay, and that might be true. Okay, and I, I, I am too. I don't mind them as much as I used to. Yeah, like I, I had a problem with them in the beginning, but like now, like they're they're pretty much focused on them. So, but like I don't have as much of a problem with them. But th- this is the third match of the evening, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the third consecutive, consecutive, consecutive tag team match. This is bullshit. Watching JPW, there was more than just three tag matches in a row. <laughs> Jeez. You know, and, and I and I applaud AEW's focus on tag team wrestling. I do. 
I love it. WWE has consistently shit on tag team wrestling. Uh, for some reason, Vince doesn't like it, and it is a focus in AEW, and I think they do it very well. Um, that being said, I don't need to see three consecutive tag team matches back to back to back. I don't need to see that at all. I don't even want to see three. I don't even want to see three tag team matches in an evening. I don't even want to see two tag team matches in an evening. Um, you know, uh, so this was this was not well played in my opinion. Um, it was it was nice to see uh, Matt Cardona, aka the former Zack Ryder, uh, get a moment to shine. I was half expecting um, Cody to turn on on him. Uh, what? But, uh, Why were you expecting that? Well, because um, because uh, if you'll remember, Cody was acting kind of heelish uh, in his encounter with uh, Sunny Kiss, and he's just he's slowly starting to act more heelish in his matches in terms of uh, not taking uh, the matches as seriously. Uh, he's getting a little bit more cavalier um, okay. in his approaches. So I would have, and given the amount of history uh, that he has with Matt, I I wouldn't have been surprised if um, if we got a little taste of that this week. Now uh, that didn't happen, but I'm not uh, disqualifying the possibility in the future. But that being said, it, it was nice to see uh, Matt Cardona get some shine on uh, on AEW because God knows he got precious few of those moments in 14 years in the WWE because Vince McMahon didn't get Zack Ryder, even though he put much more effort into his character and getting over on his own than damn near anyone in WWE history. Um, when, when realistically, um, all he ever should have been and all that Vince McMahon ever made him was a jobber. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there because Cardona is in AEW now, and I am very happy for the man that is Matt Cardona. So. Uh, good for you, and I will be cheering for you in the future. Uh, let's see. We have, and then after this, we had what I would argue, Elio, was the segment of the year in any company anywhere in 2020. This was the debate uh, let me let me see if if we got a title uh, for this debate. Uh, I'm I'm not. Oh yes, it was the AEW Super Wednesday debate 2020, um, with a surprise moderator. And if we get our second drum roll of the podcast this evening, the host uh, was revealed to be. 
Eric Bischoff making his return to TNT for the first time in 20 years. And this was this is going to be very interesting because as you'll recall, uh, we have we have not heard uh, Orange Cassidy speak up until this point. So it, it was the, the whole draw of this was how is he going to participate in a uh, in a debate against a very verbose uh, Chris Jericho. So the, the, the first question of the evening goes to Jericho, and it is, why do you and Orange Cassidy um, hate each other uh, so much? Uh, and, um, and before, before Jericho got to the answer, um, he thanked, uh, he thanked um, Orange for, sarcastically, for getting dressed up for the occasion when he was in his um, typical outfit uh, minus a clip-on tie, which he brought out earlier on, or, or a little bit later on, I should say. So af after Jericho calls him disgraceful, Orange uh, puts on a clip-on tie, which was funny as fuck because who, who wears clip-on ties when you're not in the sixth grade? Um, Jer Jericho says this is what he hates, uh, but he says that that's not a strong enough word. He says he despises um, Orange Cassidy um, because he makes a joke out of being a wrestler and people laugh at him, he's a joke, and uh, he's nothing, and he'll be finished after Jericho gets his hands on him in the ring uh, next week. So uh, Bischoff gives the floor over to Cassidy. Uh, he doesn't say anything, uh, and uh, the, 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 the next question, uh, is, is where things get really interesting because they uh, Bischoff asked them about global warming sea levels and gives the floor to Jericho. Uh, Jericho says, you know, what the hell to this question because it has nothing to do with this situation. Um, I would like to point out that uh, before we get to uh, Orange Cassidy's very interesting uh, response, that this was a parody of, uh, I believe, a parody of Will Ferrell's character, Frank the Tank, in the movie Old School. So I got a huge kick out of this. I am a fan of that movie, even though I'm not really a fan of Will Ferrell. Um, so, uh, so Orange Cassidy gave his um, gave his take on the global warming crisis, and it was hilarious. So, we finally get him to 
to talk and the the ex the expression they had a split screen while this while the debate was going on and you see Jericho on the left and, and Cassidy on the right and uh, Jericho's expression during this whole global warming uh, you know uh, essay question uh, that uh, or essay like response given by Orange Cassidy was absolutely hilarious if you haven't seen uh, this week's episode of AEW, I go back to this debate and just watch that. Easily the best of of the evening. So uh, next week, uh, so they do the final. Uh, they do the uh, the final question, and. Uh, and Bischoff declares Orange the winner, and Jericho is automatically pissed. Uh, he says that he hasn't liked Bischoff in 22 years. Bischoff uh, correctly, uh, correctly, um, uh, or not correctly, I should say, Bischoff corrected um, Jericho, saying that it was 24. And then, and then he and um, he starts to leave, and then Jericho and um, and LAX, I believe, were the ones to uh, beat the hell. No, nope, Jake Hager was. Oh yes, Jake. I'm sorry, Jake Hager. Which I didn't like. What I didn't like is Jake Hager was with Chris Jericho, but the best friends were not with Orange Cassidy. Well, and but that that told me exactly what was, what was going to happen at the end. Right. As soon as I saw Jake Hager without the best friends uh, to back up Cassie, I'm like, okay. So even though Hager has the suit, um, we're gonna we're gonna see a beat down here, and that's exactly what we got. Um. Uh, next match was Big Soul versus Britt Baker's assistant Reba. Did you know that she used uh, to be a wrestler? Yeah, she used to be a rebel in uh, TNA. See, see what I did there? Did you know that she used to be a wrestler? Because apparently she forgot how to wrestle. Apparently. She, she surprised herself. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it surprised me because I hadn't seen her wrestle since she left TNA. Uh, and it, but but the the main event was also very good. Obviously, the selling point of tonight was uh, the debate. Um, but the uh, the main event between John Moxley and Darby Allen for the uh, world title was absolutely awesome. Um, oh, but before we um, before I forget, I have to. I have to backtrack to a very controversial segment um, from earlier in the evening. So uh, Matt Hardy and uh, and um, Sammy Guevara get into a heated uh, confrontation, uh, which breaks down into a fight. And apparently, uh, Sammy Guevara made a massive boo boo um, during this 
during this segment. And yes, I said boo-boo. Um, he picked up the wrong chair that he was supposed to throw at Jericho's head. Jericho? Or not, not, Jer- not, not Jericho. I meant uh, Hardy. I still have the debate on my mind. So um, Guevara picks up the wrong chair and throws it at um, at Hardy's head, and one of the legs of the chair catches um, catches Matt straight on, like just straight flush in the head, and he starts bleeding, the likes of which I haven't seen since Eddie Guerrero versus JBL in 2004. I mean, he was bleeding like a stuck pig. And did you hear Jim Ross when he said, what? at first I was, uh, I I got annoyed because of Jim Ross's ridiculous commentary that when he said, breaking news, Jerk, uh, Matt Hardy's been busted open. And I'm thinking, yes, we're aware of that, we can see, but I didn't, then I, then after that, I, I read uh, about uh, how it wasn't supposed, it wasn't planned. So I'm like, maybe that's what he meant by that. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think so. I think he was covering up for something that wasn't supposed to happen because that was absolutely nasty. And apparently, uh, apparently, Sammy Guevara got a very severe talking to uh, from numerous people back. Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy, I believe he got 13 stitches. Um, well, I heard 10. 10, oh, okay. Um, but, uh, I, still, that was bad. When I saw that, I was like, whoa, what? No. Regardless, uh, Sammy messed up big time there. And he just returned. Um, so. He just came back. He's already screwing up. Well, well, but the, the mistakes have nothing to do with each other. It's just. No, I'm, a, just, I'm just saying. Like, he just came back from yeah. his one month. Yeah, I mean it was it was a bad botch, and hopefully he learns from it, and it doesn't happen again. Uh, but uh, now, if we can uh, move back to the main event, this was just a, a really fun match to watch. Um, and 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 what's so interesting for me is, um, you know, especially in AEW, Moxley has really struck me as a loner like obviously he's an ass kicker you know there there's really no nonsense about his character but apparently uh he's found a soft spot for darby allen they're kind of uh kindred spirits if i could go that far and um kind of a brotherly relationship i see developing between the two of them on screen um you know, uh, they've helped each other out in uh, preceding weeks, and that kind of led to the respect level rising, which led to uh, Darby getting this opportunity. Now, um, in terms of in terms of the actual match, I was very surprised um, that Darby got in as much offense as he did. I really was not. Uh, anticipating that, I would have, I would have expected a much more one-sided affair. But I think, I think in a way, it builds up um, 
Darby Allen very well, and it also um, it also helps build more intrigue for whatever whatever's next for uh, John Moxley at um, All Out. Now I don't I don't know if they're going to do another uh, Moxley versus Allen match at All Out, but after this one, I wouldn't I wouldn't be hating on it because this was uh, this was fantastic. Um, now, the the thing the thing that I really like is, you know, obviously we've seen we've seen both of these guys do the um, do the hardcore matches, and you know we saw that spot last week where um, where Allen dropped the, the wheel of skateboard into the back of uh, Ricky Starks while it was covered in thumbtacks. And so, but this was, um, even though this match was bloody, it, it struck me as a as a tad bit more of a uh, technical affair, which which surprised me because I don't I don't associate technical wrestling with either one of these guys, but it just um, there there was a lot more uh, just straight up wrestling than I would have anticipated. So this was. Uh, this was great, and I definitely wouldn't mind uh, seeing this again. And you know what? Um, one of the one of the things that I really respect about um, about AEW is their ability to, to maintain interest in the product in the middle of a pandemic, uh, despite the fact that they only have uh, four pay per views. A year, which is obviously very different from the 12 pay-per-view schedule that we see from WWE. Now, um, obviously, we see some specials such as Fight for the Fallen, such as Fighter Fest, um, and a few a few other things like that. But they they really do a good job in terms of maintaining my interest in between uh, pay-per-views. The last major pay-per-view that they had was Double or Nothing, and then the last one before that was, um, was, uh, oh, what was it? Um, um, Revolution. Uh, yeah. And, um, and that, that was a, that was a really good show. So, um, I feel like this this show was a really good mix of comedy, legitimate wrestling, and building up storylines. So I thoroughly appreciated that. And uh, with that, we'll see if you can match my entertainment level with your take on NXT. What did you think of that show this week? NXT um, was okay. Um, I Okay, well, we're going to move on to our NXT review. Right, NXT. 
this wasn't okay. I really liked uh, that first match, Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. They have buried Rhea Ripley so far uh, since she lost at WrestleMania to Charlotte Flair. It's really sad to see. Following that, we had Bronson Reed defeating Shane Thorne. I have never really been a fan of Shane Thorne. Uh, no, not really. Then we had a triple threat match. Darby, I'm sorry, Damian Priest versus Oni Lorcan versus a guy that I told you to watch, Ridge Holland. Now, what do you think of this guy, Ridge Holland? Well, I, I'll have to I'll have to go back and uh, watch this match. Don't you watch it? I I haven't really had an opportunity. I had I was uh, this year this week. Then, then yeah, go, I, go, go back and watch it because I want to know what you think of this Richard guy. But I I heard he did a really good job. Okay. So I'm very I'm very anxious to go back and then take a look at work. Then we had Keith Lee who defeating the guy who we still have a reward out for anyone who finds his uh, sweater, Cameron Grimes. Oh my God! I, I, you know, I just I don't get it with Cameron Grimes. I really, I really don't. And then after that, uh, Tegan Knox defeats Indy Hartwell. And in the main event, it was Imperium defeating the Speed Era. And the main focus of the night was, of course, the Pat McAfee Adam Cole confrontation. And of course, everyone's breaking them up. However, Pat McAfee is uh, is in the aisle and he runs back and he punch he punts Cole in the head before taking off. And it, the show ends with Shawn Michaels uh, lean down over Adam Cole, checking on him, calling for help. This yeah, I, was terrible. I just really don't. I don't like this take, and I I, I said it at the beginning, but it and look. I'm not, I'm not hating on Pat McAfee. I think, you know, I think he does, he does, um, very good in in his role. I I find him to be an entertaining uh, personality. Plus, he has um, an antivirus named after him. I'm so, sorry, he has what named after him? He has an antivirus program named after him. Yes, well. Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, I have I, I get a lot of like fake McAfee pop-ups on my uh, computer. Wow. Okay. It's it's really weird. Um, not a lot, but you know, just I don't I don't trust it. I'll stick with web root. Maybe Pat's being a hacker hacking your computer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and maybe he was the mysterious hacker, and they. They access right line and split him into this one like someone's DMs. Um, I uh, I really don't like this because when when a non wrestling entity uh, such as such as Pat McAfee goes into a um, storyline like this, it it, just, it fails to capture my interest. The last. Um, the last angle in wrestling where someone from outside the wrestling sphere came in that interested me was 
Tyson and Austin from 98. Okay. So, I'm just, and plus, you know, uh, NXT nowadays is really starting to remind me of main roster bullshit, which I really don't appreciate. Um, but uh, with that being said, we will uh, sh we will shift focus um, and go into our uh, SmackDown review, and that is my job. Are you ready? situation tonight um, we had a big angle to end the show uh, which we will get into uh, the theme of the evening however I would like to put this in bold if I could do that from a verbal standpoint and that is outside interference because that was the theme of the evening oh my god so we had Matt Riddle uh, defeat Sheamus. I love Matt Riddle. I think he's, I think he's so smooth. I I wasn't sold on his gimmick, uh, especially coming onto the main roster. I thought I thought that would work better at NXT and then kind of fade out uh, when it got to the main roster. Um, but. They're hanging on to it, and uh, for, for now, I'm not hating it, but I can see that ch changing going into the future. But anyway, so uh, Riddle uh, defeats uh, Sheamus, um, and, then, um, and then the newly healed Chad Gable, um, who caused the interference, which gave Riddle the victory, takes a bro kick from a pissed off uh, Sheamus and you know obviously this is going to be the only role of importance that uh, that Mr. Gable has. I'm not saying I, I agree with that decision because he is a legitimate Olympic wrestler but the fact that he looks like a 12 year old uh, doesn't help his cause at all. Um after that, we have a dirt sheet. What, what, are you, what are you doing with your face there? Are you, are you I'm, just, I'm trying to, no. Sometimes I, get, I, like, I have something in my mouth, like, like sores and stuff, so. Uh -huh. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you were sore uh, from watching uh, the dirt sheet, courtesy of the Miz and Morrison, because their their first guest was Mandy Rose's hair. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mandy Rose's hair on the show this evening because, as you'll recall, last week 
she got a little bit of a haircut courtesy of the next guest on the dirt sheet, um, uh, Sonia Deville. And she was asked why uh, she shaved or she cut uh, Mandy Rose's hair last week. And she goes, she goes, she doesn't like her anymore. And she's more important than she is and blah, blah, blah. And here comes Mandy Rose with a new hairdo. Uh, she looks like a soccer mom, although still a drop dead gorgeous, completely, completely beautiful soccer mom. Uh, she could pull off any haircut short of being bald and still be hot as hell. Um, so it, it was it was good that um, that uh, Miss uh, Miss Rose hadn't lost any of her hotness quotient. Um, next up, uh, Cesaro beat uh, Lindsay Dorado, and there were two spots in this match where I'm just like, damn, uh, that had to hurt. Uh, the first one being. Uh, Cesaro's backbreaker, which which has got to be the prettiest backbreaker in all of professional wrestling right now. It, it is it is so seamless and looks so incredibly painful. I absolutely love it. And then the the other one was um, the Gotch neutralizer looked particularly painful uh, this evening, which. Which, when you can convince me that a finishing move actually does damage, I, I tend to appreciate it um, more. Uh, Cesaro can have a good match with anybody. Um, I was a little bit confused as to why Lindsay Dorado is in a singles match on SmackDown. Uh, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. I think, I think that's a symptom of the fact that, uh, WWE is working with a depleted roster now, uh, courtesy of COVID concerns. That would be my best guess. Uh, up next we had The Fiend, um, come out to a full entrance, despite the fact that he didn't have a match. He's in the ring with uh, Alexa Bliss. She, and he didn't come out with 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 Alexa Bliss. Once they got back to from commercial, uh, she was in the ring with him. It looked like she was gonna uh, she was gonna fall victim to the hurt glove again, uh, courtesy of perhaps the mandible claw. Sure, uh, you call it the hurt glove. Yes. Okay. Is that you or is that what they call it? Well, that's what I call it because it, that's what it was. It's the glove that says hurt on it. Because remember he Oh, has, I'm so okay. I'm so, yeah, yeah, hurt and heal. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Stay with me, Elio. I pick up on little details. Um, okay. Yeah. And it, speaking of little details, which I appreciated, um, she was wearing the same outfit this week uh, as last week uh, when she got taken out. So that would that would lend credence to her being abducted and taken under the spell of 
Ron Strowman, for lack of a better uh, description, but that was a that was a nice little touch that WWE tends to overlook that kind of thing. But I appreciated it. Um, next up, we have another Sheamus match. I'll tell you what, between Sheamus and Baron Corbin, I've just had enough of these two. I don't know what. I don't know what the hell Baron Corbin has to do with Jeff Hardy. Uh, I'm really not sure, but once again, we had some outside bullshittery and buffoonery. Because um, at first, the match was Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, Corbin attacks Hardy, so then it turns into uh, Sheamus versus Hardy. And in my notes... I literally took notes for this podcast. I don't know why. I guess I was feeling extra studious this week. Um, I literally wrote down, why does Corbin care about Hardy? What is his, what is his emotional investment? What is his attachment uh, to Jeff Hardy? Uh, is, is, I, guess, I guess Corbin really is that desperate to be relevant on SmackDown. He's got to get rid of this King Corbin gimmick. It really sucks. I mean, it really sucks. And anytime you put him in the ring with somebody the caliber of Jeff Hardy, even at his age, you're not going to convince me that Corbin is going to get a win without outside interference. It's just not going to happen. Um, so eventually... Um, Eventually, Hardy gets gets the uh, gets the loss uh, because um, because R- Riddle interfered to get um, uh, to get revenge on Corbin, and the whole thing was just a clusterfuck. So, if you'll recall, the original match was Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy. And uh, Sheamus eventually takes the win after Riddle's interference. Uh, next up, it is announced by um, Stephanie McMahon that uh, following all of um, all of Sasha Banks and Bailey's dubious actions over the last few weeks, uh, that. There will be a triple brand battle royal to determine Bailey's SummerSlam opponent for the SmackDown Women's Championship at SummerSlam. I I do want to see this match. I am uh, somewhat interested uh, to see where they go because I could have sworn that the um, that the plan opponent for Bailey at SummerSlam was Sasha. I was operating under that assumption this entire uh, time uh, since they got back together as best friends. So I'll be very interested to see what the decision was. My my assumption as to why they're keeping this storyline going with the friendship and not um, breaking it off at SummerSlam was Sasha and Bailey have been the hottest thing on the show on SmackDown for 
for the entirety of, of 2020 almost. So um, that's understandable, but if they're not going to go with um, Bailey versus Sasha at SummerSlam, I'd be very interested to see who else would be a credible opponent for Bailey, and who and who legitimately has the resume to challenge for a championship at this point in time. Uh, and then the main event segment was the the first true introduction of retribution. Uh, to me, this segment uh, screamed Nexus uh, from June seventh, two thousand ten. Uh, you know, it was it was a little bit different, but not really. Um, they came to the ring, attacked everybody, including announcers. It was it was terrible. The way the way they had oh abs- absolutely the, the like, I, I didn't understand anything that was on and what was it with that chainsaw on the ring cutting the ropes the the camera cuts the chainsaw the you know the attacking uh, wrestlers they attacked that one woman in the in the crowd behind the plexiglass yeah which tells me that there's at least one woman in the group because they would nobody would ever put. No man would ever put their hands on a woman on WWE television. So that tells me that uh, there's at least one woman involved in the stable. I have a question. Who do you think it makes up this group? Um, I don't. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways that they can go um, with it. I don't know if you if you have like a if you have a stable cons- consisting of mid-card guys who haven't really gotten an opportunity um, because of management holding them back. I would just say something. You just said that there's a woman. What if that woman is Dana Brooke? I would actually be um, somewhat entertained by that um, because, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Dana Brooke, but if you're going to keep her on the roster for as long as she's been here, you got to give her something. Um, you know, it's just, there's some, I, I know what I want to see from, uh, from this stable. I want it to consist of people such as Ricochet, um, people such as Cedric Alexander, people like... I don't know. Well, yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying in terms of the in ter- I'm not saying these people are going to be in the stable. I'm just talking about the caliber of of performer that I want to see in this group. Okay. Uh, some something that would interest me. Um, I really want to see people who haven't gotten an opportunity. Um, I don't I don't want to I really don't want to see new people introduced. I don't. Typically, I would say when you're debuting as a stable, that's what you want to do to maximize interest is introduce new people and really catapult them to the top uh, to make it interesting. Uh, In this scenario, given that the name is Retribution, 
I don't see that being the case. Uh, and one thing I one thing I noticed was that all the hooded figures uh, look like cruiserweights. I don't know if you noticed that, but I think that that could play into something there because I really didn't see an imposing figure uh, being being involved. So it'll be very interesting to me to see where this goes. But uh, much like Raw Underground, I felt like it wasn't well done. So, um, so I think they got to make up some ground here, uh, to say the very least. And um, for some reason, Elio is muted. I'm sorry, I'm, I was uh, I'm still looking at something here real quick. Um because there's an article talking about uh, SmackDown and uh, Retribution. Oh, oh yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, after when they had 205 Live, they made mention of all the chaos running wild through WWE this week. But, but, but there was no sign of uh, the invasion retribution well they're well they're not gonna they're not gonna have an invasion angle on 205 live i mean gee, i mean jesus who watches 205 live right who, who, who writes these articles Ugh. i mean good i mean get a grip all right so um, our last segment of the night we're gonna have fire up the delorean we're going back to 2011 Yes, and we're and we're going back to um, TNA Impact Wrestling's Hardcore Justice. Aha, the AKA ECW reunion show. So, uh, right. stay tuned for that. <laughs> Fire up to the Lorraine. Ben, we're going back to Sunday, August 7, 2011. Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida for Hardcore Trusses 2011. Oh, God. Another, another mention of Florida. My God. And on this, uh, on this show, there were nine matches. We begin with a three-way for the TNA X Division Championship. Brian Kendrick defeats Alex Shelley and Austin Aries to hold on to that championship. And, and really, of of all of the options, you go with Brian Kendrick to retain. Holy shit! Following that, we had the tag team match for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Miss Tessmacher and Tara defeat Mexican America, consisting of Rosita and Sarita. Of course, we know Rosita now as Selena Vega and. Uh, Sarita is Sarah Stock. Uh, well, yeah, and you know, I, I really, um, you know, and I, I saw potential in, in, in um, Rosita back. Uh, or, um, which one was Selena Vega? Selena was Rosita. Rosita, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I saw potential um, in her back in the day, so I'm really happy that she's in the current scenario that she's in. All right, and the next we had a Bound for the Glory series match. D'Angelo De Niro, the Pope, defeating Brother Devon. Oh my God! <laughs> okay, you know, is it is it? I I don't I don't mean anything by this, but I, I'm legitimately curious. Is it just me, or was D'Angelo De Niro, aka Elijah Burke, incredibly overrated? I wasn't really a fan. I even when he was in ECW, I never really followed him. Yes, I mean. I mean, let, let's let's consider, and, and the website that I'm using to uh, to review this show um, because I I confess I didn't I didn't see it, but part and part of me actually likes having not seen at least some of the um, some of the shows that we review because I think. You know, most of the shows that we review, we watch them ahead of time, and uh, sometimes we just don't have that opportunity um, because you know usually we do this show on um, Saturday, and we're doing it on on Friday uh, this week, um, so we didn't really have a chance to do um, any planning outside of our typical um, lineup. But but one of the things that just uh, confuses me is why would you why would you have D'Angelo De Niro on a card and you don't have you don't have like Samoa Joe on the card like am I missing something and then and then another another guy you choose to have on the card is Crimson. I just, you know, I mean, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> Next. Again, you know, TNA logic. So, yeah, this was back when TNA, quite frankly, sucked. So I'm not, I shouldn't really be surprised. All right. Next, we had the Knockouts Championship Winter defeating Mickey James to become the new champion. Okay. Now I now let me let me minimize this because I'm not I'm not sure you can you can see me right now. I see. Uh, okay. So you 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 can see me. So do I do I still have my eyeballs in my head? I think yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm surprised because they should be rolling merrily across the desk trying to escape this bullshit. On, on what planet, I, and I swear to God, is, is, are, I'm like in an alternate universe right now reviewing TNA in 2020, um, going back to 2011. This show reeks of just inconsistency and logic gaps that are bigger than Vince McMahon's ego. <laughs> okay, and... In, in what in what capacity in what world in what wrestling organization other than TNA would Mickey James of all people lose to Winter? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same woman who had who had a short-lived 
incest storyline in, in WWE. I'm talking about Winter. Oh, is that with the Paul Bergeron and the Pirate? Yes. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I remember that. It's terrible. <laughs> like, why? But, but, like, you know, just in terms of a talent discrepancy, now, nothing against Winter. Um, you know, but just in terms of a talent discrepancy, you're going to have her beat Mickey fucking James. Seriously, my head's going to explode. Next, we had another Bound for Glory series match, Crimson defeating Rob Van Dam. Oh, God. Did, did you use that inflection just to piss me off? No. Because, because I mentioned that Crimson was on the show in... in Rather than no, that, that would, that's that's the next match. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Uh, okay, like I never got it with Crimson. I, you know, I just, I don't think he lasted very long to tell you the truth. Well, did um, this next one might uh, make you feel a little better? Yes, it's a six-man tag match. AJ Styles. Christopher Daniels and Kazarian defeating Immortal, Abyss, Gunner, and Scott Steiner. Yes, it does make me feel better. Um, Follow that up with a battle of the aces and eights with Bully Ray defeating Mr. Anderson. You know, I think I think aces and eights could have been a much cooler storyline um, than it turned out to be. Um, I think, I th- I think the issue was, it just became so overplayed and so diluted, because aces and eights turned out to be, you know, TNA's version of, of the NWO, where everybody was in it at at some point in time. If they had just kept it, um, you know, storyline centered of. You know, of because remember it was born off of uh, Bully Ray's um, feud with um, with Devon, and then because Devon turned on him and jo- and joined Aces and Eights, and then it was revealed that Bully Ray was the leader of Aces and Eights. You know, if they had just kept the storyline centered on that, then I feel like it could have um, it could have been something uh, much, uh, much, much b- bigger and better, in my opinion. And for the World Tag Team Championships, Beer Money Inc. defeating Mexican America Anarchia and Hernandez. Um. I I really didn't like I said I didn't see this match but you know I previous to uh, Slam Anniversary this year I I have never seen a uh, TNA pay per view and this and this is part of the reason why uh, because to me it, it's just what about this card is is memorable slash slash I must pay money for this. Yes, um, Beer Money was an awesome tag team, no argument there. Uh, but who in the hell is Anarchia? I mean, good God. Yeah. 
And, and, and quite frankly, I've never really been a Hernandez guy either. Okay. Um, but, I mean, I, I swear to God, I, I have never in my life as a professional wrestling fan or otherwise heard the name Anarchia, and yet these are the people that are on a TNA pay-per-view you know in what? 2011. You know what? You have me curious now, so hold on. On-the-fly research, ladies and gentlemen. It's exclusive PNC on-the-fly research brought to you by the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Okay, so let's go. Anarchia, he was... He was also went by Lowrider, Matt Ramon, Loco, and El Sancho. And um, pretty much, uh, he one of the stables that he was with, he, aside from Mexican America, was Team America. Okay. And uh, basically, uh, there's really no other uh, info as to whether companies he worked with on this well, that, site that I'm using. So it doesn't really tell us anything, but that's pretty much he was annoying. Uh, yeah, pretty much a nobody from what I'm reading here. And in the main event, Kurt Angle defeats Sting to become the new TNA World Champion. You know, I think, you know, th- this, this, might be, uh, this might be controversial to say, especially given... Uh, Kurt Angle's drug problems at the time. Uh, by the by, the way, Kurt Angle just celebrated seven years sober the other day. So, uh, congratulations to to him. And I am aware of that, and so I don't want to come off like an asshole uh, in in the aftermath of him being seven years sober. But having said that, um, you know, despite the issues that he was having around this time. I, which is why he was released from uh, WWE in 2006. I would argue that Kurt may very well have had a better career in TNA than he did in, in uh, WWE. Yep. I mean, he was just hitting on all cylinders uh, in, uh, in TNA. And I, I really do think he came back to WWE too late in in his career to really have the run that he wanted to have. All right. And uh, that is our review of TNA Hardcore Just 2011. Ben, what do you say we bring this to a close? Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Elio. He's Ben. This is the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. We will talk to you all next week. Absolutely. Ben, say goodbye to the fans. Goodbye, fans. Thanks for uh, sticking with us, and we will have um, all shows uploaded and uh, and ready for uh, consumption. So, so stick with us, and we'll have that for you shortly. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for You've been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor 
And buried in your bones there's an ache that you can't ignore Taking your breath, stealing your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Your fever dream, can't you see, getting closer Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over